Hello and welcome to Forward Unto Quan, the internet's longest running podcast about Halo, the series, now on Paramount+. Plus. I am your host, Ty Monaghan, and I am joined, as always, by our wonderful panel, Megan Watt. Hi, Megan. Hey there. And Cicero Holmes. Hello, Cicero. I am Quan Ha. Uh, I think what you mean is... I'm Quan Ha. <laughs> there could only be one uh it's great to have you both here uh today to talk about two episodes of halo the series we're going to be talking about uh season two episode two sword and season two episode three visigrad before we jump in a couple of housekeeping notes uh first of all as always you can support us on the platform where you can support us it's called ko-fi.com some people would pronounce it coffee like cicero tried to tell me in last week's episode uh i don't know who those people are it clearly says ko-fi but you can support us on uh ko-fi slash forward underscore unto underscore quan always feels so good to read internet addresses out loud Uh, and then before we jump in one last thing this is a spoiler warning for these episodes if you've not seen these two episodes and you are listening to the show you've made some kind of horrible mistake or you're probably not planning to watch the show Um, but this is where I suggest that you do watch the show or else crucial plot and character elements will be spoiled for you during this conversation and with that let's get to spoiling yeah All right, let's start off with the namesake of our show, Quan. Uh, we were all really surprised to see Quan back this season, and it seems pretty clear that Quan is going to take a very large role. This is not like a, a bit part uh, or a backseat character in this season. So uh, we've been introduced to a little bit more about like how the rubble works with their wacky, indentured uh, refugee auctions that we talked about a little bit. Uh, and we see kind of, I'm a little bit confused about the timeline, but we kind of see how Quan made her way to the rubble through interfacing with this system. And she's got this, like, I'm an indentured servant tag in her ear. Uh, she has a chase with the people who are supposed to be uh, her, I don't know, her masters? Is that the right word? It feels. Oh, they seem like right. bounty hunters for people who run away from indentured servitude right. yeah i don't know just some guy named clive like there's a big chase like he's got a name <laughs> yeah clive, well one of them yeah. one of them is definitely clive. named clive kevin um <laughs> quad is like a pretty brutal uh like parkour killer during this uh what did you all think of the scene in the rubble sister i know you commented on how large like you were surprised how large this set was for such a huge chase yeah yeah well what i was what i was surprised by was how well they did of you know and it's, it's it's all the movie magic right like how well they did at making that area seem like a large place when we when we know that it's a small set so it's just a matter of like you know you you you've got 60 feet of running space and then you run through an alley and then they they cut and then they move things around and they rearrange it and it's the same hallway and then they're running through from a different angle. See, um, I know we watch a lot of Star Trek together, Cicero, yeah. but I'm not I'm not convinced that's the case in really? this show, actually. Hmm. Uh, because I watched the featurette after Oh, okay, and three. I have not. I and they talked about not in the rubble, but like on Reach, which we'll talk about a little bit later, there's sure. all the, there's like a arcade kind of area with like shops. And a literal like video game arcade and a ramen yeah. store. They they apparently found an abandoned like power station and they built all of that. Like oh, you can wow. watch the featurette and like they made shops. Like there's a bar. It's Damn, stocked awesome. with like themed drinks. Uh, so I have no idea what's going on with like right. the success or budget of this show. But <laughs> at least in that case, right. you know that wasn't the rubble. But okay. they clearly have access to some some pretty big spaces uh, and some freedom to secure those locations which is that's well that then that's cool um uh yeah i didn't i didn't realize that so yeah all my speculations are for crap uh which which, uh you know that also tracks um but i i did enjoy well i'm glad they're giving some backstory to all this quan stuff because you know when you see her at the end of episode one that is your aha moment, you know, da da, whatever, and and it was supposed to be shocking for one reason, but it was only <laughs> shocking for another reason. Like, oh crap, she's still here. Um, so like, 
giving a justification for why she's still here and what the what the story is and how she wound up back in a place where you know instead of having to uh concentrate on three or four different locations if you include things that the covenant are doing um to be able to focus on just two or three locations is great so getting her back where other people that we know are um is is super important and i'm glad i'm glad they did that and and uh i'm just really skeptical because at this time season you know season one episode two at this time last season it still seemed very much like not only was kwan uh someone that was going to be very very important she seemed like someone who was integral to the narrative that we were yeah. going to wind up hearing about throughout the course of the season. And that really changed. So, um, yeah, I like I am still very guarded when it comes to Quan and, and what her relationship is to the overall narrative of the show. Yeah, when you go back and watch season one, it's really obvious they couldn't back away from the character without backing away from the entire setup they made for the show. Yeah, right. like, I'm glad, I, I, like Cicero said, I'm, I'm glad that they involved her in the actual plot, so we don't have to, I mean, she's still a B story, but we don't have to, like, you know, completely remove ourselves from the Halo universe in order to go see her. But I do find the fact that she is part of the plot extremely contrived, and it still doesn't fit, and it's still doesn't seem like it's in service of anything but oh shit we still have Quan. Right. Uh, I I'm I'm waiting for the part where she adds to the story instead of mm-hmm. oh no we're back at the B plot. Right. Um I, so I do wish there's a little more background in like how she got there. I know we can just assume, but it's kind of weird that we have to. I think it's weird that uh all it takes to get rid of your servitude is to like undo your ear piercing. I think maybe they could have had a better system there. Yeah, I think like a yeah. non-trivial number of people would be willing to rip out an earring in exchange for yeah, living right. free. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. she's also like living free in like a I don't know, how big is the rubble? Like I just Well, I, that's I, the big that's the big should, question of the day, isn't it? I feel like you should just like do your 2 years, man, but like I I don't know. Um and uh yeah, her parkouring at first, I was like, holy crap, she learned to fight. But then I realized uh, she is supposed to be, like, a revolutionary rebel right. person on Madrigal. So, like, her being able to do parkour isn't – it may be new to us. But yeah, there's maybe a lot of parkour on Madrigal. It, it kind of <laughs> – yeah, in the desert. Yeah. Um, it was a desert planet, right? I don't well, remember. desert and forest. Um, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And with hallucinogenic plants. Yes. yes. Right. Um but man, yeah, uh, she she killed some dudes. Yeah, let's it's let's time ride that. You pointed out that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Let, let's uh, let's continue with the theme of Quan killing some dudes because following Quan's story a little bit further, which we can do because, like you pointed out, it's not really completely connected to the rest of the story at this point. Um, Quan and Lara, who is uh, Soren's wife from we assume wife, his partner from right. from season one. Uh, she's back, and the two of them team up uh, in a you know, this doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but it had to happen type of team up um, and then Quan, uh, basically the, the crew uh, that had worked for Soren and got paid off and sold him out is kind of trying to do the same thing and take Lara out of the picture, and they don't, they don't know that Quan is around, and so long story short, uh, Quan basically ends up murdering a whole ship full of dudes uh, who are trying to kill Lara by putting her in the airlock and as far as I could tell Quan's strategy was just to tap a knife on a metal railing to annoy people one by one to come to her (laughs) where she killed them with the knife and then resume tapping and waited for the next person like I thought this was like it was it was like preposterous but I like like I loved it like I love when Lara gets to Quan she's like dude where is my son and Quan's just like ding ding because she knows there's like one person left she has to to kill it was like so unhinged and like Quan is like like I, I knew she was a fighter, but this felt like something. Uh, More, yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. It, well, so what you failed to uh, realize, I guess, I guess this was a bonus scene that only I saw. Um, Quan Ha's favorite game as a child was the Hitman series. So yeah, so she just taps on things 
and then collects dead bodies, just like Agent 47. Um, and and he, she is the... I Like, I completely agree with you that if, if they went with this version of Quan from the start, right, from the beginning of season one, th- it would make sense. But the fact that she is, like, unhinged assassin all of a sudden now right and 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 will and or and the, the like the justification that they're kind of using for that is like everyone that i ever knew on magic hall was killed by the covenant um this is the threat that is coming and we've got to do whatever it takes in order to survive and i'm going to be ruthless to the people who are not helping my friends um, yeah, because... but see, that's just not connected. Like, right, I'm going to fight the Covenant, and then actually, you know what? I'm going to start, yeah, assassinating right. people right. to save the 1920s girl and the kid with a helmet. <laughs> right. And Ty pointed out, like, one of the guys went through an airlock, and he didn't have an arm. Like, yeah. what'd she do to him? Yeah, that initial scene, like, when they're chasing her around, and, like, Clive is like, wait, where's my friend? And then his friend floats by in space because Quan <laughs> airlocked him, but his arm isn't attached. Right. I mean, it's doesn't like it take a while separately. to get something out of an airlock, too? Like, I mean, that It depends on, yeah, Antares airlocks take a full minute on that ship. But uh, on the one, on the rubble, the rubble airlocks are, and you know, you saw the like, train, there's no safety features. When she's saving La- uh, Lara, she, like, stabs somebody in the back and, like, a little spurt of blood, and then suddenly they're just down, they're and it's dead. just, I... I think she kills somebody by putting like a tiny like half inch thing in their temple. It makes no sense. Yeah, that just, that one was the no one sense. I thought was strange. Was like the earring that can also be used as a lethal weapon. Yeah. Again. She caught him in a temple. Should have been not the first time that happened. Yeah, yeah. I don't know a lot about earrings, but that seems. Yeah, I, I get like why Quan is motivated, and like it totally makes sense why she would suddenly be taking her role to fight for Madrigal more seriously. But where she developed these skills is. But is the she thing fighting that... for Madrigal and who the? Well, I think that's her she... goal. Yeah, I mean, I think really? her end game is to eventually get. I don't think she knows what she's doing right now, but like her plan <laughs> isn't to just like. Like she didn't escape and go like to go live on the rubble for the rest well, of sure, her life. Obviously. Like she escaped because she's gonna go Quan around and figure out some. Right, half baked plan. And she, she needs, and we know that she needs to get back there because, right. yeah, and we know that she needs to get back there because we need the the portal on Madrigal to to lead us to Halo. Right. Yeah, I don't know what she's doing with Lara and stuff. It was cute, like I, I didn't get it, but it was cute when um, <laughs> like the kid uh, calls Quan out and they like right. have a little hug. Right. Um, but I was also like, wait, kid, you don't know that your mom knows that Quan is there. Like, you can't invite her out yet. Like, as far as you know, she's right. still trying to keep it on the download. You're blowing her cover. <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot of things in in this por- portion of the rubble that just don't make sense. And we just have to, like, go along with it. Right. Like we it's this way because we said it. All right. Come on. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. and hopefully, hopefully that like the suspension of of disbelief pays off in a way that is you know just just let it not suck is yeah, I mean, really Quan the Yeah, Quan isn't running around Madrigal like accidentally getting her entire family killed so I guess it's a step up. Right, yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. So in this episode where we where we leave uh Quan is she is together with Lara but they've kind of put the the kid uh Kessler mm-hmm. on like a transport ship and he's right. sort of I don't think he's inherently unsafe, but he's like an unchaperoned kid traveling through space right now. So I think finding him is probably a priority because if they find Soren, Soren's going to be like, where's my kid? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's move on uh, and talk about the antagonist question mark of our season. uh, Ackerson. Ackerson is the new guy who runs the Spartans slash can give them direct commands slash maybe seems in charge of all of ONI, according to his own accounting. Um, and there's a lot going on with him in these two episodes. Actually, I thought uh, far too much packed into two episodes, and I, I thought it was kind of ill-advised to introduce a whole character uh, and plot arc with this guy's family uh, and then end it all in one episode. But anyway, uh, first, let's talk about Ackerson's relationship with Halsey. Um he has been bringing Halsey these attendants. The attendants bring Halsey cookies and tea and play backgammon with her, and Halsey tries to get information out of them. 
uh, and it was kind of it was pretty unclear what was going on. It just seemed like somebody was messing with Halsey. Um, these clones would just come in and talk for a few minutes and die. But we learn in episode three here that the clone attendants that have been sent in with Halsey are actually clones of Ackerson's sister, Julia. And not only that, but Julia was a Spartan candidate and went through the Spartan program with John and Soren and all of them, but she did not survive the augmentation process. Um, and so we actually also didn't mention, I don't think last episode, uh, Lewis, the, the blind uh, former Spartan, I guess right. you could call him. Um, yeah, the dude from Black Lightning. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And his, uh, and his boyfriend, Danilo, who I don't think was like in the Spartan program or anything like that. But between uh, these two, like between the story of Julia and Lewis, we're seeing a lot more than we've ever seen of failures in the spartan program before it kind of seemed like this show was happy to be like yeah there's some pretty dark stuff in how the spartans got created but like they're heroes end of story and i'm i've been excited to see a little bit of nuance thrown into that and i'm really delving into the human toll of creating these super soldiers yeah like um ollie pointed out uh it was kind of funny for the uh doctor to say you know you're not the first who's been here and riz isn't like yeah i know man like a failed Spartan brought me here. Right. <laughs> like, he's right outside. You saw him. You're dating him. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm not under the illusion I'm the first. Um, I did find, so with, with Julia, I, as, as um, intelligent and well-researched as Halsey is, I would think she knows who Julia is. So, Right, like yeah, she does. She says that she says she remembers Julia. So and why she in the world was she Ackerson trying she... so hard to figure out who was keeping her captive? It seems kind of yeah. And I mean, yeah, you're right. He his... said yeah when he arrives, he says we both know knew I would be here eventually. Um, but it just I do seemed think like it... I don't know. I, I wasn't wild about the introduction of that whole thing just because mm. it was trying to be a little more mysterious than it yeah. had to be. Yeah, they were trying to make it cryptic and profound and maybe some level of poetic. And I, it just I actually, wasn't yeah, for it. I actually kind of agreed with you, but then she would slump over and make that thunk on the table, and I, I laughed each time, and I felt like <laughs> that was a little bit of a nod to maybe that they were a little aware of how self-serious they were being. <laughs> I don't know. think you were right. supposed right. to be laughing. But, yeah. Oh, come on. Watch it again. <laughs> the thunk sound, it is so, it's the loudest sound. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it's okay. very, very it's, comical. Um, the, the look on Halsey's face, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> the Well, I in episode two, I feel like the, the reason that we were getting that line of questioning from Halsey towards Julia was f- because of plot, right? It was because we, as the viewer, weren't supposed to know what Halsey knew. Um, and, and not because Halsey was putting two and two together, right? Like, um, that she was confused by who the person or maybe she was maybe she didn't know it was uh it was Ackerson's sister or or maybe that it was Ackerson that was that was watching her at that particular time who knows I don't know um they they did it and here we are right uh, <laughs> um I think it's the slogan of the show right I think I think <laughs> that that um <laughs> We got like if we're gonna talk about Ackerson's arc over these two episodes, what's been weird for me has been how abrupt they tried to humanize him, how abruptly right. they tried to humanize him, right? With with all all of this in episode three of him with his dad, and then you know then the conversation that he has with Keys about um, you know about the things that he's he's lost and or will lose. In, in this upcoming invasion of Reach. And, um, and, you know, and as the viewer, we're supposed to empathize with him because we see that his dad is going through dementia and, and, and has these lapses. And then also, um, I didn't like... I, I enjoyed the humanization of him. I thought it was abrupt, but I did really appreciate the fact because in, you know, our previous episode, the one thing that I was saying was that, that my hope was that, that, uh, Ackerson wasn't just mustache twirly and that, you know, that they were, um, 
selling him as that intentionally so that they could, you know, so that they could subvert our expectations and, and give him some uh, humanistic uh, qualities, uh, make him an empathetic character. But um, what was what I didn't appreciate about them doing that was turning Halsey into the villain to him because she was able to let him know that, um, oh, your sister that died wasn't your sister that died. It was a clone because actually we kidnapped her and, and used her in the Spartan program and we augmented her viciously and she didn't make it because she's a loser. Ha, 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 ha. Right. And now, you know, and now we get the single tear from Ackerson and now we, like we've got to treat him as some sympathetic, like, you know, ultra sympathetic character. And I, like uh, I did not love the way that they like they 180'd from episode one mustache yeah. twirly to, Man. you know, like he's got rosy cheeks and, and big, big doe eyes now. Yeah, I want to hear, Megan, I want to hear your take on this attempted humanization because I, I didn't super feel the same way that Cicero did mm. watching it. But then uh, I read, like, an interview with um, the guy and uh, Joseph with Morgan. Joseph Morgan. Yeah, yeah. apologies. And, <laughs> like, he, he definitely made it sound like this is supposed to make you think of him as, like, totally human. Like, I thought they were just sort of when Halsey twists the knife in him, I, I was like smiling. I was like, Oh, this is great. Like she's the villain and he's also the villain. And like, there's just layers of, of villainry and like, but I'm actually not sure. And I think maybe the show was actually trying to move him towards a much more sympathetic place. Megan, what was your take? Uh, I feel two different ways because there, there's a separation between what the show was trying to do, uh, make you feel they're trying to make you feel like he's a villain, then they're trying to um, make you empathize with him. I do agree with Cicero on that. But at the same time, the two things were so removed because he's a villain because he's a giant dick to uh, John and doesn't believe him for no reason whatsoever, we find out, because he's well aware that... I mean, Because it's a cover-up. Yeah, the simulation... Well, a cover-up for what exactly? Because he understands through the simulations that Reach is going to go down, Right. And so him lying repeatedly to John, why not just like, I, yeah, I, I guess like, I, I didn't quite get, I don't know. And even, even so just him being so smarmy and dickish, uh, him like shaving the beard of his dementia dad doesn't like change him being a smarmy dick. Right. Uh, right. So I, I, you know, I can't, I can, re- I, I certainly, I think I related more with his, um, not with the, I, th- I thought the dad thing was a rather cliche, so I didn't, I, I didn't have feelings there. Mm-hmm. I think where I had feelings was when he was talking to um, uh, Cortana and realized he's burdened with this horrible truth. I think that was something that right. I started to empathize with. Sure. Um, mm. But it still feels like that doesn't excuse him being just a right I, yeah. yeah i agree like I, I i agree completely yeah yeah and that's where i thought that it felt like they were humanizing him but still in like a you know right. i mean bond villains have a scene where they get humanized sure. frequently but they're still sure. definitely the villain but i don't understand even what even makes him a a villain necessarily just okay. because he's this, a dick so, to, so, to, to to cheat so hold on no no let's dig let's dig into this because okay. yeah. the episode thought it made something clear to its viewers uh, from reading, you know, all the meta commentary okay. and summaries yeah. and interviews and stuff like that. And I'm not sure that the episode did make this clear to its viewers. In the conversation with Keyes, basically, uh, Ackerson not only knows that it's an inevitability that Reach will fall, right. but he knows that it's uh, it's imminent. He knows, th- whether he knows they're on the planet or not, I think he suspects. But he is, uh, suppo- we're supposed to see him as somebody who genuinely has to make a hard choice. Reach is going to fall no matter what. He genuinely believes that if they do a secret evacuation of him, select assets like maybe the Spartans and Keys or whatever, that they can save those assets and that the human, the civilian lives are going to be lost anyway. And so he, gen, like, there's, you're supposed to see him as making this genuinely tough trade-off of, like, sacrificing the lives of all the people on Reach right. in order to, like, 
win the war, mm-hmm. essentially. Like, that's what he truly believes that he's doing. But I, di- I just didn't buy, like, like okay, like, so you're going to cause a panic by ordering an evacuation? Like, do your secret evacuation and then, like, give it a shot anyway. You know what I mean? Like, if you only save a million people, that's a million. Yeah, I didn't like, quite It just get... didn't seem like the, the choice was as stark and the sacrifice was as necessary as I, I felt like they wanted See, it to and be. And that's the thing. It's like, I did understand we were supposed to understand that he was making a sacrifice and it's a hard choice, but I wasn't quite sure what the alt... Yeah, it, it, right. It, that's like Which is the nature of a choice. Because if we're supposed to think he <laughs> he was a villain at first, like then I don't understand what he was doing that was villainous, and then when he made a tough choice, I don't understand what choice he made that was good. Like... Because they didn't really actually put down the choices, and then yeah, we know the whole thing is a meta commentary on uh, human agency. So um, yeah, I, li- I, yeah, yeah. So like, I understand <laughs> the emotions the writers were trying to get across, but I didn't understand the logistics. I um yeah, I agree with that, Megan. I felt differently from you guys um, because I did. I think I did understand that the choice that he was making that we're you know that here here on reach we had grown so comfortable that the you know that there was there was never going to be a way for you to marshal the strength of people to the understanding that they are being attacked right and that we need to mobilize people en masse to to fight back against this this threat that is that is superior to us and even if we do mobilize everyone um will we actually marshal everyone to victory chances are we won't because well, i don't think that was it yeah i mean they could just evacuate some as many people as they well, can. I think that's, that's what you do I th- when the ship is sinking. I think that's what they're doing, right? I think no, that, Anderson that's, just that's, pissed off. That's what that's, <laughs> Anderson got his own little. I, I guess that's boat. that's how I. That's <sighs> what I read. Insane. What when Ackerson was talking to Keys, right? That that there's a delineation between at, at least the way that I saw it, right? So the, there's a delineation between what the things that Ackerson knows and the people above Ackerson, you know, that are making decisions within Oni um, and Keyes at his level. And and we all assume that Keyes was pretty high up in, in you know, he's an admiral uh, and, and within the, the, the intelligence community that he has a lot of access. And I think that the, what they were trying to show here, right? That was the assumption that we all had going in. What they're trying to show here is that what we knew was shit, right? Like there is a huge amount of information um, that Keys, even Keys, isn't aware of, right? Or, or at, at least this portion, right? The fact that they're going to lose the capital planet, right? That that's going to happen that the enemy has made it here um and they're going to take it and what we're going to do in order to make sure that the species still survives um and um i you know i actually so before uh peek behind the curtain before the 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 podcast we were talking about hell divers 2 which is basically a game that's like starship troopers and in starship troopers um the very beginning of spoilers for Starship Troopers, um, but uh, they they go to the the home the bug home world of Clendathu, and they have they send a bunch of mobile infantry in and they fight and they get slaughtered, right? And then when when some of those guys come back, they wind up talking to the intelligence people and they say we needed to do that we. We intentionally sent you out there to be sacrificial lambs so we could learn from the enemy. And that is what I believe is happening on Reach. That Oni is deciding that we're going to give up Reach so that we can learn about this enemy. Because we don't think that we can just beat them straight up on, you know, on a battlefield. We've got to figure something out. In that case, out. I feel like uh, he probably should have said that. 
I mean, like, I, I, I just want to know what the, right. the upside is. The, well, the and upside is... To know that it was... Like, you can, you can figure out the upside that you might think it is, right. but they need to say that in the show. Yeah, I, I've, yeah, I felt like... And maybe, you know, I guess maybe I was taking stuff from... You know, stuff that I brought with me to the show <laughs> um, to, help, to sure. help fill in those gaps. But I felt like, yeah, like, oh, hey... Everything that we know about the Covenant is they go in and they glass planets. They just remove everyone, and we have we have been powerless to stop them. They're, if they come to reach, that's exactly what they're going to do. But we've got to figure out a way that we can preserve the species, and uh, we're not going to be able to just do that on reach. We're going to have to do that someplace else. So we've got to get all of the important, the most important resources off of reach, and and try and mobilize someplace else. I think before we shift gears a little bit, the uh, last thing I want to say about that is I'm a little disappointed that they didn't make a bigger deal out of the Covenant learning the location of Reach. Um, mm, yeah. If this canon is anything like the game and book canon, there's, I don't know, thousands, tens or hundreds of thousands of human colonized worlds out there. I mean, Earth is still a going concern. Right. Um, and there's strict protocols in place that they alluded to in season one. Anytime a ship is captured in combat, uh, to destroy navigational data, and when you're fleeing combat, to jump in a random direction and never jump directly towards one of the core planets like Reach. Um, and I thought it was just kind of a bummer. I thought there was a lot to play with there about the events of Season 1. Uh, you had this this person, McKee, who's a blessed one, and with this connection to both the Chief and the Covenant on Reach, um, it felt like an opportunity to dig into that a little bit more and talk about how Maki yeah. had had exposed even you know had had surpa- like uh, penetrated even that layer of security. By I feel like it's the story of the show where there is just so much awesome lore and so much great Halo stuff out there that they're just ignoring in order to. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure what they're replacing it with. Well, I, yeah, I, th- I th- <laughs> and it's just like that's what I keep complaining about right. is like there's just there's just something. There's so much there, and then they're just not using it and then doing stupid stuff. But that is, I just want to say, um, as we go into episode three, that is why I really liked episode three, because we finally got some of the actual story. Before we move on, I just wanted to talk really, really quickly about keys. I actually want to play a quick clip that we've alluded to several times at this point between Akerson and keys, then I want to talk about keys just for a couple seconds. I won't run. We'll fight another day when we can win. Admiral Keys, can I count on you? Go fuck yourself. Uh, that's also the hashtag of the show, by the way. Uh, forward on Quan F U K hashtag. Go fuck yourself. So I appreciated that plug from Keys. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but I felt like this actually got me thinking about something Cicero mentioned last time that we recorded, and I am starting to see Keys being a little bit of a sacrificial lamb on the battle for Reach. Sorry, was it the end? Of, was it the end of Halo Three? Where the special ending was Keys remaining on the planet and hugging an elite. Going to hold me. No, that was Halo One, and that was Sergeant Johnson. Oh, yeah, Sergeant Johnson. Yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> just like that's what immediately what I thought of. Keys was a white dude in the games. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I, 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 I see what they're doing here, but I also think that the thing that they're doing here is also furthering the point that I just made, which is that I think we're going to see Keys slowly start to realize that Ackerson is right and coming towards, right? So, like, Keys is going to be our conduit to understanding that Ackerson isn't the villain that we think he is because Keys would, you know coming out so strongly against this plan and finally realizing the value and the wisdom in the plan is going to help bring the people that are watching the show along and into understanding that Ackerson may not be the villain that we think he is. 
and then Keys dies, sacrificing himself in in uh, in service of that plan. It'll be better than the end that he meets in the games, which is becoming a flood, and then you, as the Master Chief, have to punch into his skull to take out his <laughs> neural interface. Oh, damn, that was him. So that you can fire up the Pillar of Autumn to blow yeah. up Alpha Halo. All right, uh, let's let's move on. Uh, at long last, as promised, let's talk about Silver Team. Most of the events that we are about to discuss do take place in Episode 3, but we will be dipping into some stuff that they mentioned or that happened in Episode 2 as well. So, so first of all, I want to get uh, a couple things out of the way that just, like, frustrated me immensely, right? And I think both of these are actually in Episode 2. So, first of all, the they show these Marines. They're on Reach. They're in Sword Base. And it's, like, their first contact with the Covenant. I already know. <laughs> and, like, tactically... Their plan is to march, like, three or four, like, across in a straight line with no lights into a dark hallway and then get stabbed by energy swords. Dude, did you see the last episode? Wait, the second to last episode of Game of Thrones? Yes. Do you remember when the friggin' uh, warrior... Uh, no, the, the, the Dothraki, they, the, yeah, the Dothraki, they go, they, they're all holding the line in a castle and then the Dothraki march across into a dark field right. with nothing but torches. And then you watch the torches all blink out right. one by one and they're like, oh no, I'm like, what? Oh, I do remember that. What a dumb, it was appalling. dumb thing to do. And that's exactly, I, I swear to God, the director watched that with like, damn, yeah, got it. Some Gold. great imagery. Let's do got it. Got it. <laughs> Because, like, it was so bad. And, and, like, here's, like, I think just to be, like, an especially nerd about it, like, they have lights on the front of their rifles. Right. Like, it's a, <laughs> all right. Um, the so second bad. thing that I found incredibly just dumb was, like, uh, it seems to be kind of, like, a important, uh, it's playing an important role in these couple of episodes. But they have like a signboard that lists all the Spartan teams right. and each individual team member's name and call sign yeah. along with their deployment status on like a metal plate yes. that somebody has to go change like it's a church uh, right. you know signboard or a gas station from 1994 and like they they have to like task some guy <laughs> in like secret Oni headquarters like go change the sign that's what like, Ollie's like couldn't that be digital and I was like no no why? Well, because then we wouldn't have this scene. Right. <laughs> like, just do a whiteboard if you don't want to. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I understand. Like, usually no, on the but, side of, like, eh, whatever. Like, they're just trying to make the scene work. But but that's, again, the problem with the show is so many things are we're just trying to get the thing across. We're just trying to get the feels. We're just trying to get the, the drama. And it's like, okay, but you know that none of that makes sense. And it's like, if it's not plausible to the audience we're just going to be focused on how stupidly Stupid it implausible right, right, it is right. that the that the feelings aren't going to come come across right. it's like we we can't extend our disbelief as much as the writers want us to yeah those are choices right like those are um, i mean <laughs> they're choices right because not only is it there and it's filmed but like they had to design that then they had oh, yeah, to, like a lot of people right, are they that. had to build it and at no point did anybody say hey wouldn't it be easier <laughs> right like a, well that's a the thing i'm sure or... a bunch of people did and they're right. all just like right. yeah but right. check out this scene yeah but look at how great this looks on camera mm, right exactly um yeah i i, I megan i you were talking about how there's all this great lore that they could have borrowed from or you know cribbed from um I I want to think that they are aware of the fact that all of that stuff is there and they appreciate what it is and how good it is, but they're going to do something better, right? Like, they're going to do their own thing. Like, I think... It, yeah, it's, and if they were doing something better, defiantly, I would right. be there. Right, yeah. Like, I think, yeah, you know, defiantly, they're just like, no, 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 no. That's been done. We, we yeah, we can tell this story with these toys. What's weird for me is that I, I, I do like so many of the twists they've yeah. actually made on the yeah. Halo lore, and I think they make sense for a show, but the way that they choose to depict individual moments right. and sequences yes. and character developments, yes. yeah, uh, leaves uh, a lot to be desired. The, so the one thing that you guys don't realize is that the Covenant casted darkness in that hallway. 
um, and and all of they the, got magic. Yes, and all of the uh, those Marines they failed their they failed their uh, saving throws. So that, they should have just thrown grenades down yeah. there. Yeah, that's they, what that one guy at the very back failed his charisma check. Yeah, and was right. just freaking <laughs> out. Yeah, it was like a delight when that guy got stabbed. All right, um, let's talk about Silver Team's mission. Uh, mission question mark right. to Visegrad. Uh, this is a rogue op initiated by the chief, and he goes through multiple layers of, of lying to his team. First, he tells them it's an approved op, and then he tells them it's kind of an approved op, but actually to expect something different. And then uh, the jig is completely up in a scene where they are confronted by a squad of Marines that I'm going to play right now. I can't even describe the amount of shit you're in. I can't even describe what's about to happen to your face. Who the hell are these people? I carry priority orders from Fleetcom. What order? To bring you in. You are impeding my mission. Move. There is no mission. And so this is where it finally starts to get revealed to the other Spartans that, like, they're operating completely outside of the chain of command here. Um, it turns out that Visegrad is a complete dud. They find nothing uh, except their own arrest waiting for them. Uh, and they get a dressing down. Uh, they, they've already been deactivated from combat duty, but John gets deactivated from active duty completely, and he really loses the trust of Silver Team. Um, Riz, I think, is clearly like the most disillusioned uh, and goes on her own little journey that I think we'll probably be talking about more as the show goes on. Kai really does her best to like talk to John as a friend, uh, but John just won't give a good explanation. He just kind of insists on like bossing her around. Um, and Vanek is the one that seems like a, a little bit of a wild card. I really liked seeing Silver Team. This felt like a good payoff. I really liked seeing the individual members of Silver Team start to make their own choices and develop their own individuality. And it was especially fun for me to see Vanek. He's... You know, he goes back, he's just used to winning, right? And it makes sense. You can see him go back and forth. Like, Kai is like, does this seem right to you? And he's sort of like, eh, maybe you've got a point. But then later they hear, like, this unexpected noise inside. And Vanek turns there and he's like, you believe now? And it's like, come on, man, you're so wishy-washy. Um, but I, I liked that. And I liked seeing their individuality develop in these ways. Uh, what did you think, Cicero? Uh, well, I, this is where this show... This and Halsey, anytime Halsey's on the screen, is where this show really shines for me. Um, because it is the interaction between the Spartans, um, particularly or ironically with their helmets off, right? That really kind of allows the Halo universe to kind of grow in, in important ways for me. And like to show the human side of, the, of these characters. And, and the fact that everybody is kind of off doing their own thing um, is, is really lovely. Plus, like, watching Kai's interactions with, with John are, are really great. And the care that she has for him, right? Like, she tells him, like, hey, I didn't, si I didn't tell anybody that you saw McKee, who's obviously dead, um... And, and, you know, he's like, yeah, I don't care. I, I needed you, instead of being my friend, I needed you to be my soldier, right? And, Cicero, and I'm going to play that clip, actually, right now. Okay. I'm going to play one last yeah. clip. John, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to talk to you as your friend. I don't need a friend, Betty Officer. I need a Spartan. Why don't you try doing that? That's pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love that scene. I love that scene. It was the, it was the scene that they used as the teaser on the uh, questionably f uh, functioning Paramount Plus app. It 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 was it was a a great great scene, um, and I love the fact that I love the fact that we get to see Kai's care for John um, as not only as a friend but as a leader um, and as a squad mate and the level of loyalty that she shows for him. Um, and I love the, I love it more because we get the confirmation that John isn't crazy. Like we knew he wasn't crazy, right? Like we knew that what, that he saw what he thought was McKee when he was on Sanctuary, but we weren't sure if he was seeing, you know, like we weren't sure if she was alive until we get the confirmation l later on. Um, but like 
the fact that Kai is dealing with that is is really really cool from the perspective that she's dealing with it is really really cool one thing that i want to say that's that's kind of tangential um from this is i thought my one of my problems that i have with the show is that they at at times they make the spartans seem like they're these giants walking amongst people right especially when they're in their armor they're you know they seem to be at like seven feet tall. Um, then there are times when they just seem like taller people. Like, uh, you know, they're like 6'2". Riz goes to visit her friend who is also a failed Spartan and and his, you know, his partner who is not a Spartan, but he's the same height as everybody else, right? They're all the same height. So, like, what what is you know obviously the spartans are augmented but they're not like conspicuously tall yeah they should have like titanium bone grafts and genetic engineering that makes them like yeah obviously larger than the average person right yeah i shared that right but uh, yeah i think that's a good point and i it's actually something julia and i talk about frequently while watching the show uh, with the Spartans walking around interacting with non-Spartans. But Megan, what did you think about uh, the splitting up of Silver Team here? Uh, yeah, so episode three, I, I think it was the first time I actually really enjoyed the uh, show. <laughs> um, I, I thought a lot of the scenes were like actual scenes with uh, people, all the characters had agency, which a lot of the times <laughs> they don't. Um, I think a lot of times the they they write it so that one character has agency and then the other character just asks questions. Right. Um, and they do that a lot, and it's just it's really it's so like amateur. <laughs> uh, and you know, and obviously I've complained about them not actually doing the core story, the actual core lore. They did that a lot here. Um, I, I was, I was, they had, they had cool, if not a little bit cheesy action, um, just because of the, the, the CGI. Um, but saying all that, I really hate the trope of let's not trust the most trustworthy guy. Like everyone always trusts Master Chief. He has always been on top of it and I understand that like oh no he's got feelings so we're like a little wishy-washy here but like dude if he said he saw like I, bad guys and I, I just it, it, it just kills me that like they they all just continually not trust him and even if it made sense for them to not trust him I just hate that trope I just hate it so much that it continuing into multiple episodes and actually having repercussions just kind of pisses me off on like yeah. a personal level. I do simultaneously really enjoy the repercussions of this mistrust and find the mistrust itself like exhausting. Like I just, well, and I, especially I, when it's dumb lack of communication, it's like, right. You know, it's, it's like every rom-com or something where if you could all just sit down and use your right words then yeah. everybody would be okay. And like the you're fact dying is for the chief to just be like, you guys, I was in this room, I pulled up the flight plan, and the flight plan showed it going to yeah. Visegrad. That's it's why it's I took what us I saw. to Visegrad. And then it's like, and oh, somebody you're crazy. altered these, you know. Right. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, just sit down and have a conversation, yeah. and then we would all be on the same page. Right. And like, I just, I can't stand well, that. Well, they don't have time to tell you why they don't have an, enough time, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and one tension that I think is coming up that I'm really interested in that does make more sense to me is is with Riz. So the chief thinks something really imminent is going on. He's really pushing Riz, like, way past her limit. Uh, I think it's funny that when the Spartans train, they just, like, shoot each other with bullets. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that seemed like, what drill are you guys practicing? Right. I, the drill of if you can climb right. up a mountain. Right. Like, I don't, if you that's don't a weird die, drill. you win, maybe. I, yeah, I would have liked to see, like, yeah. maybe actual tactics. Humans aren't the most dangerous game. Spartans are. <laughs> which um, which but I, uh, brings me back to th that the scene where they get arrested. Um, 
So, like, all these Marines draw guns on them. And the entire time, I'm like, what are they doing? Like, all you're going to do is make them mad. What? Like, why is this? Like, you know, they they don't ha- they have to acquiesce to your request. They don't have to listen to your command. Um, That's what, I kind of liked that about it because you're like, who? Like, you know, right. like this 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 woman is like pointing a gun right. in chief's face and she knows it's not going to do anything, but she clearly feels that she has the authority to point a gun at chief. And I actually, there's a scene where they show down the sights, like from Vanek's perspective. Right. And he's like, what's the call? And yeah. you see down the site aiming at human Marines. And it's very disconcerting. Right. Like you're not supposed to do that. Right. And like, I had this moment of like, cause for a second you're like, Oh boy, they're going to get right. it. And then you're like, Oh no, are they going to get, get it? it? Right. Like, I don't, I actually don't want silver team to like right. slaughter right. these Marines. And thank goodness all of these from, from Parangoski to that, uh, the officer arresting the chief, thank goodness everybody has their signals straight worked out with their goons ahead of time. Right. Because like right. these goons are very non trigger happy. Like Parangoski nods at those dudes and they, they, they take the nod to mean, let John walk away. Right. So I'm, right. I'm glad they worked that yeah, out. Right, right. <laughs> I would have taken the nod <laughs> to mean to uh, kill John. And the other thing I want to say about that scene is what the hell was happening with that door? Like, I, like it was, you know, like there was, you know, it's the horror trope, right? Like the the action thriller horror trope of the door swinging, and you get to the door, and there is there the jump scare, or the jump scare is that there is no jump scare. But they there wasn't even anything blocking the door that they showed. Also, wasn't that the thing that Perez was tapping out to? Right. Yes. Yes. Like she had some weird ethereal connection yes. to the door. Oh, that no, that actually that actually kind of makes the two make sense. I I really thought her tapping her finger was was dumb, but it's it's the signal that the covenant are sending right, out right. that it, that is carrying that message right. um, from this new from, elite leader that we'll talk about in just a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like letting the people of Reach know right. what's up. Right. But so so it actually does kind of make sense that that they're clearly like hijacking communication arrays and like using them to send out some kind of malicious right. But what does that and have so that to signal? What does that have to do the with door. the door? I think that whatever they were just I mean, yeah, I was, they were like, hey, we're gonna make the door like it was like, like I you would can see when it's pulsing, it's messing with their helmets and like it's interfering with their equipment. Right, and, like it's actuating the door. What was like, I don't but think what was at, in the door that was making the door move like that? It's like a it's, a it's a mechanical door. It's a hissy door that you press a button and it opens. And so the button was like getting messed up by all the electromagnetic. Oh, okay. Okay, but then it stopped. Well, well they saw the door, drama. so it was okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, Chief went in there. All right. <laughs> all right. I honestly knows we got the message. <laughs> I honestly. <laughs> Yeah, this it, the door was super weird, and I honestly wondered if what they were trying to do was a thing where like. Silver Team had arrived just in the nick of time where those guys had finished their, like, cleanup, like, right. their cover-up job, right? And they, like, didn't finish fixing the door. Right. Like, the Covenant blew that door up, and, like, they didn't finish, like, repairing it. And they're like, oh, oh shit, the Spartans Yeah, well, I would have like, loved gotta... to have seen, like, a helmet or something. Like, it didn't even have to be, like, a disembodied head or something, but, like, something that was in the door. And, yes, right, you can use it as symbolism for the tapping and the message and all of those things. But like you know, why was the door moving? But it uh, to to your point uh, before Megan, right? Like it's things like this that take me out of yeah. the show because I'm asking these just inane questions. Yeah. Sister, I feel like you give the show a lot of credit and, and you equivocate a lot, and then I don't know why the doors really get. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've gone through an hour of you being like, yeah, but if you think about it, and you're just like, the damn the door. door. <laughs> I've had it. That was my last right. straw. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the little things. <laughs> So the last thing that I want to talk about is Maquis. We've mentioned her a couple times. She is alive for some reason. I personally don't think they're really going to explain it. I think they're probably just going to gloss over why she is alive. But John tracks down, uh, I think it's Corporal Perez, that communications uh, Marine that we were talking about earlier. And uh, they confirm to each other sitting in a church. I actually thought it was funny how uncomfortable John is in the church. Um, but, like, they confirmed to each other that they did see a woman, that they did see McKee initially on Sanctuary. Um, and I guess 
my first thing is like why didn't john just like ask her straight up the first time he saw her like did you see a, a human there like did you you know like why didn't he just ask uh and like this verification seems like really not ironclad but like really really strong evidence to refute the case against john right like if he can get her on record with this that seems pretty huge towards getting him reinstated so i was really confused why this is like not a high priority for him again rom-com miscommunication <laughs> it's they just had to hold it out this long before right she started exactly cr- what like they should have done in the first place she had that line about like i don't know you know i don't know what they gave me a medal for surviving and he was like that's my cue i have to get up and dramatically leave right, this conversation right. even though i really <laughs> need, need to know more I, de- I i just really want to point out though um the the table scene where the guy's like what's your kdr and he's like i don't keep count and the guy just stares at him and goes i think i just pissed myself i burst out <laughs> laughing i actually thought that was really charming well i think Cicero, i don't know why the line landed so well but i really like cicero it. and i watched part of that episode together and cicero i think you based on your reaction might have had the same thought that i did where like you think the guy is asking him about his like, real, real yeah. life KDR? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. And you're like, hopefully positive. Right, right, like, right. <laughs> hopefully it's like, one. Right, All right, right. Um, But I found that entire scene, like, I don't know. I, I felt like I shouldn't have liked it, but I did find the entire family pretty charming. So I was like, yeah, that dinner scene was really, it felt like a bad idea. Yes. Uh, and I thought it Honestly, was. Honestly, I think the actors just pulled it off. Mm-hmm. I, like, yeah. I, I felt like that was yeah. a... A good family. Because and that they guy's played like never the banter between the siblings. Like that and stuff whole when they said the well KDR thing, I was, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was feeling pretty cringe, and then like <laughs> yeah. I ended up just going, oh, I want more of them. Yeah, yeah. they should just do, should do it. A, do a spinoff. Yeah, well, with the Perez family. They're they're not gonna live very long. Um, <laughs> well, no, obviously. Um, yeah, and that mm. you know, and that's what we get to at the end of the episode, right? And and um, so I've really enjoyed what we've gotten so far but it i do feel like they they put it in a microwave because they they knew that by the end of episode three we were going to get into but you know by episode four we were going to begin the fall of reach and um so like all of the information that we got uh, up until this point, all the conversations that we're having about Ackerson and his justification and and the realization and and um, like the fact that Perez confirmed that he that she also saw McKee um, is uh, like all of that stuff is kind of like and proving uh, that proving that that Chief is actually correct. All that stuff is moot now, right? Because the covenant is there, presumably. Yeah. Right? I uh, I thought the message was kind of cool and haunting yes, and everything, yes. but I do. Um, how was she able to translate it? Because in the first season, they make it really clear that they know about two covenant right. words. Miranda <laughs> like, is like the foremost expert, and she 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 can do like some rudimentary translation. Yeah. It's more than two, right? But like it's. It's one of those things where but she's this, like, oh, like, this is what I have for this sound. Yeah. But person yeah. somehow. So could, was that Miranda did she, did she or was that Perez? Translate? I thought it was Perez. Yeah, it was Perez? Yeah. No, yeah, that was Perez. So yeah. how yeah, does Perez, Perez know that? Yeah. No, exactly. That's the question. Spiritually, and I, have an I think she for just you. had a connection. Oh. No, do, you remember, do you remember the six months between episode one and episode two? Oh, everyone just learned Covenant. You know why we haven't seen Miranda? She's been yeah she's been teaching all the online Zoom covenant yes. classes it, it, to the whole it's US. It's like right. ESL for right yeah right yeah the, right. okay yeah it's the smart thing to do. I, I get it yeah. Um, so all the communication. <laughs> so actually, uh, and and I did want to note Miranda's uh, actor uh, Olive Gray has been in the credits for each episode of season two, although we have not seen them yet. Right. So uh, stay tuned could just be something where they keep appearing in the credits but it could be a matter of time until we see miranda i i do think it would be a weird thing to just drop and not say anything about it'd be weird though if she came in now without having yeah. said anything <laughs> i'm not sure which is odd more odd yeah they need to give some kind of uh explanation and then uh so it looks like we're in for a pretty major battle on reach uh coming up with the next episode obviously like cicero mentioned this one ends with like the the windows of the church getting bombed out 
and I think it's safe to say uh, they're here. The battle is, is happening. Uh, I have seen a small tidbit of the next episode, and uh, they're going to delight fans because part of this next episode... Do you remember the tarmac where, like, uh, in season one... Um, chief lands a pelican and he's trying to take right. off and they shoot him they shoot the pelican down with the emp and there's this big uh like heliport kind of thing right. um there's a scene in the next episode where i don't remember seeing john i but i definitely remember seeing riz and bannock and i think kai are are like taking cover defending that station like defending Fleetcom without their mjolnir armor without wow. their spartan armor wow. Um, and so I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a scene where they're like, are we cleared for active duty? And they're like, no, but you're still Marines. Right. Like, get out there kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, grab your rifle and get out there. Um, but so I just the thought that was going to love that. They're going to love it. Yeah. They're not because when you have Spartans and your home base is under attack, right. it's important to first check whether the Spartans have any wild conspiracy theories before letting them put on their armor <laughs> and defend their home base. Right. Um, so I think, uh, like I mentioned, I don't think I saw John as part of that. I can't quite remember, but I think I like just based on trajectory of the show themes in the books and things like that, John is not going to be sticking around for the battle on reach. I think John is going to be going and doing something of cosmic importance Artifacty. while the battle on reach is happening. But I want to throw it to, do either of you have any forecasts or predictions for where this this show or this like how this attack on reach specifically might go i don't know i mean my guess is uh it's a slaughter with a lot of sacrifice because i mean or at least honestly i kind of hope because reach is one of the most tragic things in halo lore it's it's a it's sad the the game itself was sad um, the ending was just tragic. I mean, they, so I honestly, that's tragedy in layers. Well, I, I just, I want them to, I want that emotional payoff. And if they don't, I want some awesome combat and some awesome emotional payoff. And it's like, if they just kind of like skim over the fall of reach that I'm going to not, or like quant it or something. I don't know. I'm going to be a little upset. Well, well, to that point, right, um, we're talking about the fall of Reach. Would you want Silver Team to, to like, sacrifice themselves for Reach? Would, like, would, like, would that the, be the payoff for you, watching Kai have that moment at the end of well. Reach? Like, 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 if they do it like Rogue One... Mm-hmm then no, because I thought that movie was trash, and I will be on record saying that. Uh, <laughs> but if they do it well, then, I mean, I I would hope so. Like, I would hope it, it would be a, a really cool combat sacrifice right. thing, but I'm not... Uh, I think that's definitely Ackerson's plan. Right, right. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know if they survive this or should Right, so yeah, I would be sad. Like I don't want it. To yeah, happen. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't, but I. Yeah, because it's yeah. it's very interesting. You know what that pretends for uh, subsequent seasons of the show, um, because there is that potential, right? That we lose Silver Team, we lose a lot of actors um, for this show because much of what we know of the Halo series is Master Chief kind of by himself with Cortana. And then maybe we can finally do right. Master Chief and Cortana right. and artifacts and Halo right. and all the stuff that's supposed to be yeah. there. That would be nice. Yeah, but we also can't do, right, we can't have week in and week out of uh, Master Chief and Cortana fighting the Covenant we, and, and the Flood. <laughs> um, we, can't, we, can't, we can't do that every week. Can't do that every week. That that's that's not a fun. That's a fun game. That's not a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously they have to add stuff. I just don't like what they've been adding. <laughs> so I do like Silver Team, though. I mean, I it would be that's one of the people I like the most. So if they get rid of Silver Team, but then keep all the other <laughs> tertiary stuff, then that's obviously not what I want. Yeah. 
the the very last thing i don't think i that we mentioned in this episode how ackerson uh at the very end of his interaction with halsey just brings soren yes. in we talked in our last recording right. about how it was clear oh, soren yeah. soren wasn't going to jail soren was going to prison and prison was on reach with important people right. in it and uh the prison turned out to be the most important prison of all and it was halsey's jail cell and the reason i bring that up is because also in the preview for the upcoming episode we see um they're going to escape. Right. Uh, well, they're not going to stay in that jail cell. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Halsey and Soren die just getting crushed. <laughs> right. In the, in the, in the hollow jail. <laughs> right. Right before their arc starts. But between the, I mean, it seems like there's going to be. Soren's going to save her um, ass. It's going to be a big thing. Yeah, there's going to be a major yeah. battle on Reach. There's going to be some some action in that context, and I think we're in for an extremely action-filled so. episode four. Um, and so with that, uh, stay tuned. Uh, we will be back as well here on Forward Under Quan for episode four. Uh, the, the Halo episode will be called Reach. Uh, and we will be here to cover it, talk about it, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, as always, please support us on coffee, Kofi, ko-fi.com slash forward underscore unto underscore Quan. Thank you so much for listening, and we are really looking forward to catching you again next time here on Forward Unto Quan.